the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. More opinions on the He Gets Us campaign, and then what difference does it make that God is eternal and unchanging? You're listening to The Common Good. Hey friends, happy Thursday. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us. Aubrey, the cold is back. It's back. We got like that one or two day reprieve, but here on Thursday, the cold is returning. So I guess that's Chicago. It, that's Chicago. That's where we live. And I, I told you, I always like kind of a first snow. And I feel like we, you know, we haven't had an insane winter. So there's not a lot to complain about. But you're right about we got a little we got a little tease of spring. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost worse. And, but it's February. So like, I know we actually don't have we're in winter. You know what I mean? This is Chicago. So like all the rational statements you're making are correct. <laughs> but as we de- as we decided in yesterday show i'm a you're, i'm an emotions an driven person yeah. <laughs> and my emotions were happy when i could go outside in a vest yeah. or not be and then now it's starting to turn again and my emotions now are sad <laughs> okay, speaking, speaking of emotions can i celebrate something that has nothing to do it's like not apropos of anything but i've complained yes. a little bit on the show so i feel like i need to like testify to god's goodness finally got all of the insurance stuff figured out for my yes. kids for myself Help, hallelujah. We're good to go. And I think you just got, I think you finally landed on the tagline of the show. Uh, the common good, not apropos, apropos. of anything, <laughs> apropos of nothing. <laughs> we got it. We finally, after all okay. these years, print wow. the t-shirts. T-shirts. Yes. Merch, merch, baptize it. Done. I like it. I like it. The it's common good. good. Apropos of nothing. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's funny. All right, Aubrey. Last weekend was the Super Bowl and uh, with the Super Bowl, you know, it's primarily the game and then Rihanna, but then also the commercials and especially in the Christian world. But I think culturally, one of uh, the the largest campaigns and largest talked about things was the He Gets Us campaign. Hundred million dollars spent on these as people culturally are calling them the Jesus commercials. And, you know, you're seeing lots of comedians say funny things like I didn't know Jesus needed a commercial and all of this. But yeah. Uh, yeah. People have heard us talk about what we thought. Like, ah, they weren't great, but hey, let's cheer them on. Let's see what yeah. God does with it. Can I tell you something that is really interesting that I, I've heard? And in fact, it, it stood out to me yesterday because I was driving in the car, listening. I tend to listen to talk radio, right? And I, I was kind of bouncing around. And I heard two different takes that just kind of blew me away. Here's Ooh, why. Do you remember me telling you my, my political theory is uh, that that our politics are like a horseshoe. I didn't make this up, but that the far left and the far right are basically say the same things. Like they're just kind of, they're very close to each other. So uh, that has happened around the, he gets his campaign. I was listening to one show yesterday morning 
uh, of a far right person. And here you want to know what their take was on the He Gets Us campaign. It was this. Uh, this was just social justice warriors cloaking Jesus uh, in a way okay. to get the liberal agenda in of immigration, of gun reform, of all of these things. And they cloaked it in Jesus with no real, he even used the phrase, this person was like, it's just non-denominational. So the Methodists can do with it what they want and the Presbyterians what they want. Yeah. They saw this as a complete liberal takeover of Jesus. Then yeah. I was reading religion news service today uh, and uh, Christ, uh, Kirsten Powers wrote an article that I first saw Jonathan Merritt retweet in which she says that he gets us campaign was basically a back a uh, a sneaky way to get people into a seeker sensitive churches that will that won't be honest with them about their views on homosexuality and sure. the, so her take was this was the conservative church hiding their conservative views yeah yeah in order to kind of trojan horse people back <laughs> in and not telling people this is what we believe this is where the money's coming from this is all this in the span of like 12 hours i heard these two completely wow. opposite things and i wanted to be like here my first thought was gosh maybe i'm just too simple on this but it kind of feels like you guys are all overthinking this i don't know but it's interesting people see things as they want to see things well what's interesting to me i actually think there's something right about those two various reactions because i think this is what happens is we want to put jesus or the gospel into like categories and so the fact that both sides are like not able like kind of blaming the other side it it actually makes a little sense to me that the message of the gospel is that divisive and that people on both sides are taking aim at it because I I just think that's sort of what Jesus does right like the message of Jesus does disrupt and cause people to get very polemic at the same time I can see some truth in both sides mm. like I, I'm like you I am a fan of these these ads. You and I have both said, like, yes, I think there we're are things apart. Yes, there are things to critique. Generally, a pro Jesus message. I'm going to be for. So, yeah, mm -hmm. fanish, fan adjacent. Maybe that's a good way to <laughs> fan <good> adjacent. Way. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but. I can't. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think this the critiques are totally off base. Like, is it perhaps a more uh, quote unquote like liberal take on Jesus? I would say if those are the categories you think in, then yes, you would say that. I tend to maybe take a more liberal approach to Jesus. I, well, I, t I hope I take a Jesus approach to Jesus, but I tend to like the way that they're quote unquote presenting Jesus in these ads. Mm -hmm. uh, are they also like perhaps wanting you to get into a church and none of the ads are about sexuality? Yeah, that's also true. Like I did notice that when you go to the website, there's nothing about sexuality. There's nothing about gender identity. Now there might add, they might add something. There might be something there now that wasn't when I checked, you know, on Super Bowl Sunday, but, um, sure. I think these are fair critiques. I also 
feel like as a Christian, I want the message of Jesus to get out and for mm-hmm. people to understand how how radical and amazing and disruptive and loving that Jesus really was and that he wasn't in the boxes that we often try to categorize him in and that he was about his own kingdom, not a left agenda, not a right agenda. And so I... I don't know. I, it's interesting to me that conversations are happening. I think mm-hmm. that's probably what they wanted to happen. And I do hope people get into a church. Like, yeah. I I don't know. I think there's no there's no reason to apologize for wanting people to go to any ch- seeker-friendly church, a uh, uh, more high church. Like, it, yeah. great. Get into a church. And you and I, we talked about it earlier. being all over the place. We talked about it earlier in the week. J.D. Greer saying clarity is kindness, right? But you can't also get everything into a commercial. These commercials were not for us as Christians, right? Yeah. They weren't. Yes. They weren't targeted at you and at me. So to, to ask them to answer every question in the span of a 30 minute or, you know, on their website or whatever else. Like you said, their goal is to. And I think I have some problems with how they're doing it, but, you know, I'm fan adjacent, as you said, uh, because they're trying to, quote unquote, reintroduce Jesus. But in some level, we got to cheer on the fact that they're trying to introduce people to Jesus, make them think, go to a website, get to a church uh, and have all of these questions. And it just for me, again, highlights the, the divisions within our churches and within our yeah, culture that's that a good point that I listened to a far right guy and he watched this and said, wow, that's super liberal. And I listened, I read a liberal person and they were like, that's way too sneaky far yeah. right. You're like, okay, then maybe they actually were doing something right in this. If that is uh, the takeaway. So there's I think another thing. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Nope. Go ahead. Well, there's one other thing that has been like, ha- have me scratch my head and maybe we'll talk about this later, but you're a church leader. I'm a church leader. I never like I sort of thought he gets us would maybe partner with churches and be like, hey, here's our curriculum or here's our something we want you to do as a church to follow up. And I've gotten nothing from any church. Never. No, no ad, no emails, no nothing as a church leader. And I'm on lists that I get these things. And so that's one piece that feels a little bit missing. Like if they are wanting people to get into the local church, it doesn't feel like that's been a part of the effort unless they're doing it with like the mega churches churches, that I'm not in the part of, which might be true. Yeah. Yeah. It could like you're like you're saying back when Explore God happened and there were billboards every where churches were, we did it at our church. Churches were yeah. doing this and there was we this partnered. real push. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I, in some ways, one of my problems with the, he gets us campaign is it feels subtly and subconsciously actually anti-church. Like, the churches haven't been saying this, but Jesus gets that you're frustrated. Jesus gets that. So that's where I would critique, but I certainly wouldn't also say, well, this is super liberal. This is super conservative. And, uh, you know, we want to cheer on the parts of it uh, that we can cheer on. Well, coming up next, Aubrey, what does it mean for us? What difference does it make in our lives that God is eternal and unchanging? That was asked over at the gospel coalition, and we're going to tackle it next year on the common good. AM 1160, hope for your life. We talk a lot about the attributes of God. Um, I remember being a kid. Tell me if you agree with this. Being a kid, the thing that was most mindful, and it still is, but especially as a kid when you're trying to understand things, one of the attributes of God that was most mind-blowing, and I have vivid memories of like our little Sunday, our, our, when we were little, our Sunday school teachers trying to explain this, was the fact that God had no beginning. 
Do you remember learning that as a kid? Like that, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I do remember as a kid sometimes laying in bed and just thinking about eternity, eternity, mm-hmm. meaning before and after. Like, right. it, like there's no before and after with God. And it is, you kind of have, would be like, ah! Like, this is, my mind cannot handle this. I don't understand. I cannot comprehend this. So, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. It is mind-bending and mind-blowing to try to consider something with no beginning and no end. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember almost being scary. Like, wait. God never start. I can't. I can't fathom this, and it's probably a good thing because then we're like, well, we can't fathom God. There's a there. There's a there's something. Uh, there are things about God that our finite brains can't handle. But over at the Gospel Coalition, they wanted to take it in these terms: the fact that God is eternal, the fact that God is unchanging. They want to say is something that is maybe the thing the most that makes him dependable for us. Uh, Listen to this one line that kind of sums it up. They say this, God's eternal nature means we can trust his leading even when our lives seem to fall apart. Uh, In our church, I will often use the verse out of Hebrews that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. To say, hey, even when your life is going up and down, even when things seem to be just falling apart, that's what makes him a firm foundation Mm -hmm. is that we're not going to wake up one day and Jesus is gone. Uh, We're not going to wake up one day and God said, I'm retiring. I'm out. Right. This idea that God is the same and has always been makes him dependable. What do you think about that thought over at the Gospel Coalition? Yeah, I I think it is so... um um, uh, what am I trying to say? If I, I'm using the word foundational, meaning like it's actually a good foundation. Like that's a mm-hmm. solid foundation, a place for us to ground our faith because so much of our lives are shaky. The world is shaky. Our own emotions are shaky. Our own faithfulness is shaky. But to know God is steady and does not change, I think gives us like quite a strong, firm foundation and anchor scripture talks about for the hope that we have. Because if God was, I don't know, if God was like uh, a wave that Mm -hmm. moved, if God was shifting sand, I mean, these are all biblical metaphors, if God was inconsistent if God was like um, emotionally unhealthy, maybe that's a way to put it, where you just didn't know. And we don't, obviously, God is God, and we don't know what God is going to do, when God's going to do it, how God's going to do it. But what I mean is, like, if God was unreliable in his inconsistency, that would make him untrustworthy. Mm-hmm. So there is just something about that constancy of forever that reminds us, well, whoa, this is God and we are not. And two, okay. God has never changed. Therefore, Mm. I can rely on God when everything else around me is changing. And it's funny because sometimes I think that's a very, like, almost like basic Christian message we all should kind of know and just like, fine, that's great. But to revisit some of these very foundational basic things really is what strengthens our faith time and time again.
Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, This author, Daniel Abrams, who graduated from the Bible Institute of South Africa, uh, he wrote this. God's eternal nature means that he always uh, he is always present in all his fullness at every moment of every day. Because of God's eternal nature, we can be confident in who he is and in everything he has said, even as we eagerly await the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like there's that there's that um, already not yet nature here to life. Right. You and I talk about it often where, man, life seems to be really beating me up. Things seem so hard. The ground feels unstable. And I do appreciate this, that that the fact that God was, is, and always will be, the fact that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever can give us solid ground to stand on. Let me ask you, as we like to say, the $64,000 question, how do we hold on to that? Uh. How can, how can this make it? Is is this just a rehearsing of this when things Mm -hmm. are bad? Um, What is it about this? How can we hold on to this in hard times? Yeah. I mean, I do think a lot of our faith is practice and rehearsing, meaning literally rehearing the gospel again mm-hmm. and again and again. Or the, and by gospel, I'm saying like the truth about who God is. Um, I and I, I don't I think that's good. Like, I think sometimes we stay away from sort of like liturgy or practices, but our souls need to remember. I mean, I think this is why David is often like, oh, my soul, remember that God is good. I think this is one of those things where we can reflect on God's eternality through reading Mm. scripture, through just reminding ourselves through, I mean, things like. You know, the fact that time moves at such weird paces for us, sometimes it goes so, so fast and sometimes things feel like they last forever. I think all of those things can serve as reminders to us that God is eternal and time is bigger than what we think it is. Um, So, yes, I, I think you're exactly right, Brian. It's a matter of rehearsing. It's a matter of remembering, reminding your soul God is fully dependable as they're Mm. saying over at the gospel coalition, Daniel Abrahams is saying God is eternal. And I also think something about God's eternality gives us a lot of faith when it comes to like what comes after this life. Mm. We can trust that because God is eternal, we will experience that eternal life with him for those who are in Christ. So that's like just another layer of the hope that we have uh, because of God never changing. Yeah. And so we, we want you out there. Uh, wherever you are listening, especially if your life feels like it's crumbling around you right now, like a, we want to acknowledge that bad things happen. Like you're not, you know, calamity, bad things are not always the result of our sin and our disobedience. Sometimes life is hard, but we can hold on to what the Bible calls a firm foundation that Jesus is the rock. Why? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever because God was, is, and always will be his, as you said, his uh, eternality. The fact that he always is, causes us to go, okay, I have a secure future and I have a God who's not going to leave me. A lot of you out there have people who've just left you like in hard times. That's Mm -hmm. they're gone. God is not going to do that. And that is uh, really good good news. All right. Coming up next, want to share a tweet from one of our favorite pastors and authors, Scott Sauls. We're going to do that here on the common good AM 1160. Hope for your life.
Uh, Aubrey, before we dive into this tweet uh, by Scott Sauls, one of our favorite pastors, I want to tell you about something exciting happening. Are you ready? I'm you, so ready. I'm so ready. I love exciting things happening. You out there can join the Chicago Wolves in their family and fellowship night on Saturday, February the 25th at the Allstate Arena. This night is dedicated to providing a memorable night with your family with a hockey game and a night of fellowship. The game starts at 7 p.m. and you can win a pair of free tickets for a chance to win that pair of tickets. Visit 1160hope.com, type in the keyword faith. That's 1160hope.com, keyword faith. Aubrey and I continue to try to get ourselves onto the Zamboni. Uh, or that is our dream. That is our goal, life goals right there. One day Into the wolf so. costume, maybe, <laughs> maybe shooting, maybe where they do like those shoot the puck in between periods. Maybe we could do that. One of it, something. Yeah. Feel like the common good needs to be there. I agree that the common good needs to be there. I agree that you need to be wearing a wolf costume. And I, I just believe, I'm believing for it. <laughs> as I believe for it. I think that, uh, so people need to understand, it's not driving the Zamboni. There's a professional oh. Zamboni well, driver. On. I thought we'd be driving it. No, 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 no. Riding on it. Riding on it. Have you ever been to a Blackhawks game? They always have people riding on the okay. back, waving. Okay. That's no, no, no. That's us. You and I, the waving people. You and I are not trained to drive like the Zamboni. Brian, I don't know. Speak for yourself. I feel like I could do it. I feel like I could do it. Yeah. No, you can't. That's impossible for you. You need to, I don't know, be trained in Zamboni driving yeah, on the that's ice. What I'm saying. I'll get ready. I'll take Zamboni classes. And <laughs> I am get my Zamboni license. You'll be shocked. I'm going to come pick you up in a Zamboni, and you'll, you'll be like, she did it. Okay, I wor- put my foot in my mouth. I didn't even know. Didn't Not the way it works. Know. I'm willing Brian. to take that bet. Stop squishing my dreams, Brian. Yep. Nope, they're squished. All right, Scott Sauls. He, uh, he is the pastor of Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville. He writes, he blogs at scottsauls.com. Another thing he likes to do, Aubrey, is tweet. And I read this tweet of Scott Sauls the other day. You're ready for it? I want you to just go, okay, is he right? Why is this an important kind of theological comment he's making? All right, Scott Sauls asks hear. this, want to be like Jesus? Question mark. Focus less on trying to be like Jesus and more on being with him. Focus less on being like Jesus and more with being with him. Give me your initial thoughts on that tweet. Okay. I, I want to talk about the meat of the tweet because it's really, really, it's really, really a good uh, thought. But can I just say something real quick about tweets like this? Yes. I, so I, I have a little problem of jealousy with people who can like they come up with these great pithy <laughs> little statements and they tweet them all the time. And I just get jealous. Like, I wish I could tweet like this, but I, I just don't. My brain doesn't work like this. OK, so apart from my jealousy, which obviously I need to be with Jesus for him to work on. This is interesting to me that Scott Sauls is saying focus less on trying to be like Jesus and more like being with him, meaning the outcome of our time in the presence of God, mm-hmm. the outflow of that should result in our being like Jesus because mm-hmm. the spirit fills us. His word fills 
fills us, his power fills us, his presence transforms us. That creates a Christ likeness that moves us to be more like Jesus. And it's interesting because sometimes I do. Let's try to think of a situation that, you know, let's say I'm faced with the situation and I will sometimes go, okay, what would Jesus do? Old school WWJD. The bracelets. But I I confess that I am doing it like, oh, I guess I have to do what Jesus did. Like, it does not come from a pure transformed heart. It comes from guilt or it comes from even some legalism that's still in me. We've talked about the little Puritan that lives in my head. Like there's a sense that I quote should do. And of course there is something like we should all do what Jesus did and live like Jesus did, because I do think obedience really matters. And sometimes I'm not going to lie. I think you fake it till you make it like that's true. Obedience, uh, Bets, uh, what's the word? A, a bets? No, a, obedience breeds more obedience. Begets obedience. That's what I'm looking for. Um, that said, if the gospel is about grace and transformation mm-hmm. and living spirit empowered, not about legalism, not about earning, not about striving, then it does make sense that the fruit of our being with Jesus would just be we're being transformed to be more like him. So Mm -hmm. I think what Scott is talking about is the difference between like grace and unity in Christ with Christ rather than like earning, achieving, striving, hustling, performing. What do you, what are your thoughts? Yeah. it, It reminds me of the passage in the book of John in which Jesus says, You know, I am the vine, you are the branches, abide in me, remain in me, and you will bear much fruit. Like we often Mm. focus on the fruit, like I've got to do this for God. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And Jesus is like, you're missing the entire foundation of this, like the, the power to obey, the power to do these things is an outflow of being connected to the vine. And that's what Scott Sauls, I believe, is saying here. Like, apart from being connected to the vine, like you said, we can fake it for a while, but ultimately, we call it fruit for a reason. Fruit comes from something else. And what we lose sight of often is, you know, this this was what Jesus was saying to the Pharisees over and over again. Like, Jesus was saying, woe to you Pharisees, Uh, you're like whitewashed tombs, right? Dead on the inside. You look beautiful on the outside. But Jesus was basically saying to them, deal with what's going on in your soul. Mm. Deal with what's going on in your heart. And the rest will follow. He wasn't saying Mm. don't do good things. He wasn't saying that. He was getting at their motivation as to why they were doing good things. And then, you know, like I said in the book of John, he says, remain in me and I knew. And these things will manifest themselves. Mm. Not perfectly, but when we focus focus on the fruit and the obedience. Yeah. We get it backwards. And you, like you said, you can fake that for a while, but eventually the fruit is going to come out to what I am, you know, remaining in the vine that I'm connected to. And I think that's what Scott Sauls is getting at. Uh, Spend time with the Lord, be connected to the vine and you're going to produce the fruit. And you know what it's Mm going to cause? That fruit's going to cause great joy because it's in line with what's going on in your life. Instead of like you said, just kind of like, oh, I need to do this again. This is the fault of the WWJD campaign. It was again, there was good intentions behind it, but it's not just, you know, like, stiffen your back and do it like do what Jesus did. Like the obedience is not the point. 
Mm, the heart is the point. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's what we, it's so easy to kind of, conf- well, it's so easy to become Pharisees ourselves, right? And mm-hmm. it's so easy to like, it's so easy to vilify the Pharisees and forget like we have that tendency in us, right? Sort of the, the legalism and the performance and the, the outside of us looking good. But to remember that God actually, like, I mean, God is so good that God actually cares about our heart and wants us to experience grace and freedom. And like you said, fruit that comes from abiding, not rotten fruit that comes from performing. And that's a good invitation. Like that's actually more freeing for us. And so this is a, anyway, this is a good word from Scott. It's this is a very word. pastoral word from, from our that, favorite pastor, Scott Sauls. That's true. I'd encourage people to follow him on Twitter. Uh, and also you can read his blog at scottsauls.com. Uh, coming up next, I want to share a story I read over at Christianity Today. Uh, it's just entitled this, What Would Jesus Do in North Minneapolis? Buy a Gas Station. Hmm. Why would they be saying that? I'm going to tell you that story, and we're going to discuss it next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. All right, over at uh, Christianity Today, I just read this. You know, sometimes you stumble upon some of their articles, and you're like, I don't even know why I'm clicking on this. And then you read it, and it's like, wow, what a story. So let me read the beginning portion of this article. It's just a fascinating story. Uh, And I wanted to ask you about it. He says, uh, this is written by uh, Adam McInnes. He says, most people don't take real estate advice from a drug dealer behind a gas station in North Minneapolis. But Larry Cook, Bishop of Real Believers Faith Center, is not most people. About a year ago, he confronted some young men selling narcotics in the alley between his church and the corner store that seemed to do more business in illegal goods than snacks or fuel. Things got heated pretty quickly. Voices were raised. One of the young men yelled, the owner don't care about it. As Cook and his wife Sharon recall the confrontation, if you want to do something about it, you need to buy the gas station. I will, Cook responded. I absolutely will. What the man selling drugs didn't know is that Cook had actually been thinking about buying the store for the last 25 years. He believed he was being called, and when the time was right, uh, God would expand his ministry to include this sore spot in the neighborhood, the store at the corner of a busy intersection. This fall, the store came up for sale, and Cook and his wife put everything they had toward the purchase of the $3 million property. They've now reopened it under the name The Lion's Den, a testament to faith surrounded by danger and their belief that even urban blight can be redeemed. Hmm. This is what Jesus would do, Sharon Cook said. If he was walking in 2023, he would buy this gas station. He would feed the hungry. He would lend a helping hand to the elderly the same way we're doing. And the story is going to go on to unpack this and kind of challenge us all as followers of Jesus to kind of stepping into the messiness here. Before we get into the greater call here, just add, I don't think you've heard that story. So what do no. you think about that story of this couple buying this gas station? Man, I just think that's such an act of faith. You know, like it's so easy to sort of stay in our little safe zones and not do mm-hmm. anything risky or faithful. And so to I think just to make the move to do it, even if you don't know the outcome and how it will change the neighborhood, even like after this conversation with the with the guy behind the store i i don't know i'm impressed i'll just say that it, it, that's you know you want to make a difference in your 
community, hey, mm-hmm. buy this area where things have been pretty rough, and and that it's a pastor from the area. Like, it's not some random guy coming in thinking he's going to save North Minneapolis, but a, a leader, a, a spiritual leader in the community there, to me, I think is really, really, like, very missional, very kingdom-minded, uh, pretty cool. Yeah, and so let's then expand this. Because it's one thing to say that's a cool story, right? That would make a good movie. That would make whatever. But part of the idea behind this is that we as the church are supposed to be invested in our community, right? You might not have the issues that they have in this community in North Minneapolis, but every community has a DNA, has a has problems, has everything. Uh, so what do we take from this? Like, what's the takeaway? Because a lot of us... Right. Our churches, our buildings where we're kind of of ourselves. So yep. what, what's the what's the challenge? What is the uh, what is being thrown at us here? Well, I do think if you have a. I want to be careful here, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think if you have a church building that's in a neighborhood, but you're just not invested in your neighborhood at all. Like something's missing. Like there is an invitation from God for you as a community of Christians in your city to, you know, do what God called the Israelites to do in Babylon, like uh, plant gardens and develop the city and co-create with the Lord and kind of that cultural mandate that we have. And if you're missing that, if you're just a building in a place that people like go to a service on a Sunday morning and then leave and there's nothing happening communally. I, it's, I don't know that I would go so far as to say you're sinning, but I definitely would say like the invitation for the influence you're meant to have in your neighborhood, in your community, in the neighborhood where God has you on the streets, where God has you, you're just missing out on being a part of what God may want to do mm. in your community through the church. Like this is some kingdom minded stuff right here. And so, I again, I, I've used this phrase before, but most church planters, you plant churches because you want to be a church, not just in a city, but for a city. Hmm. And and it feels like, to me, he's using the influence that God has given him to kind of challenge the rest of us. Are we, we can't all go and buy businesses, right? But are right. we in our communities? Do we know our local leaders? Are we supporting local restaurants? Are we being influential with the good message of Jesus for the kingdom of God, where God has planted us. I think that's what we're being challenged with. Mm. And how do you, so I just think about your church, want to be involved in the community. How do you even begin that process? Like, what should we do? How do we invest? Like, any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah I, would, I would start by getting, uh, this is very practical, but I would start by getting a group of people from your church community, small group, missional community, you know, your Christian friends, whatever your, your group is, and begin walking through your city and praying. Do a prayer mm-hmm. walk. And by city, I mean wherever you live, okay? Um, do a prayer walk through your neighborhood. And while you're praying for your neighborhood, just ask the Lord to give you his eyes for that place and his dreams for that place. Begin to pray for divine conversations with people, divine opportunities. Begin to pray that God would give you like insights, like where can the church, God, where are you already at work? 
show mm. us and help the church to like be what you want us to be in this neighborhood. There's, you know, there's something that a lot of missional folks do called exegeting the neighborhood where you're really just walking through and kind of seeing like, what are the cultural artifacts here? What are the longings here? What are the needs here? And you're seeing what God is already up to. Like the danger in that is that you come in as sort of a like, uh, colonist, right? And you want to put on your city what you think it should be. I think that's a mistake. I think that the right way to do it is to really pray that the spirit of God leads you to see what God is already doing and give you divine interactions with people. And then God will give you the next step. Mm-hmm. For instance, I'll, I'll give an example from many years ago, and I'll try to be quick about this, but there was an apartment complex in our neighborhood that Kevin felt the need to just, Kevin felt God calling him to just walk through and pray. So he would just go in the afternoons, walk through and pray, walk through and pray. He ended ended up uh two kids were in front of him they got in a fight kevin ended up breaking up the fight from there he ended up building relationships with some people that lived in the neighborhood because of that and then soon uh kevin was invited to do some soccer ministry with kids in the neighborhood and then kevin got uh, the Chicago Eagles, this Christian soccer ministry to move into that neighborhood. Wow. And all of that was because Kevin felt God leading him to prayer walk through this neighborhood. And now there's still soccer players from this missions organization that live there and work there and minister. Cool. And it's not like Kevin doesn't get the credit for that, but because he began looking for what God was up to, God did this new thing. Oh, that's a good story. That's a cool story. Uh, I think what we take away from this uh, is how is the church to be involved in um, in our communities, right? Like in meaningful, meaningful ways. Like we're not meant to be building set apart, like kind of our own little kingdoms. We are planted, like you said, in communities to make a difference in our context. What a cool story of what's happening in North Minneapolis. Well, hey, Brian and I will be back again tomorrow with more wisdom for you from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I am Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.